Well, welcome back, everybody. It's Dan. And if you're on YouTube, you're noticing I'm in a different studio today. I'm actually at Segra headquarters uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina, visiting with Kevin Hart, longtime friend. Uh, Kevin has written one of the epic CIO to CEO stories, and we're going to unpack his journey today. And it's a journey filled with uh, grit, a journey of adversity, and a journey of lifting others as he's climbed. In fact, one of the evidences of that is the fact that there are 50 CIOs today in the wild, as I say, who have been part of Kevin's organizations, part of the universities he's been intentional about uh, in developing future-ready leaders. So I'm going to ask Kevin here in a minute if he can name all 50. Uh, maybe, maybe not Kevin, but anyways, Kevin, thanks so much. Good to be with you and your home, your headquarters. Um, did you wake up one day and say, I'm going to be a CEO someday? Uh, tell us about that process. Well, great to see you, Dan. Thanks for being here today. And thanks for being a part of my journey, too. I've known you for many years, and it's been great to be working with you over the years. So I would say years ago, I I sketched out a little bit of a plan. And the ultimate North Star was to be a, a great husband and great dad. But I thought maybe having a good career along the way could, could benefit us. And so you know, I, I did sketch out a plan, a rough plan. Um, I got into consulting. I was consulting CIOs. I became a CIO and then a CTO, and I worked for some great CEOs. And I said, hey, to myself, maybe I could do that job someday, uh, really trying to bring in all the skills and experiences and best practices from people that I've learned from over the years. And so I did make a little plan. It didn't go perfectly, but uh, it was more of a, a vision for what could be. And I, I'm a strong believer in having a vision, having goals, and then executing against those. And that's that's kind of how uh, the, the career plan mapped out, as well as how we try to approach our work every single day here at Segna. There's definitely that theme of intentionality, and I want to get get into that a little bit more here. You know, I think about some of the the great stories. Uh, uh, you know, Ted Ted Colbert uh, at Boeing, right? CIO to CEO, doing an amazing job. Uh, Greg Carmichael uh, up at First Third Bank up in Cincinnati, CIO, CEO, now chairman of the board. Um, Thaddeus Arroyo, AT and T, just great stories. So. We have a lot of CIOs who aspire to that CEO chair. Any any words of wisdom, advice on on how to get there? Well, first of all, I, I wouldn't put myself in the same category with those folks. I know Thaddeus and a few others and some really great leaders, uh, but, you know, aspiring to, to achieve some of those things. I think when we first met and maybe when I first got into this kind of the CIO practice, you know, 20 or so years ago, it was always about how do we bring IT and the business together? Um, but now, in 2023, in particular over the last couple of years, IT is the business. Mm -hmm. And so really looking to digitize everything in your operations, the customer experience, leveraging the cloud, uh, really trying to enable growth, all comes down to some form of technology in most industries. So I think having that experience as a CIO, um, you can extrapolate that to a broader uh, perspective on how you can help optimize the business uh, to drive revenue, drive growth, drive EBITDA, and obviously drive a better customer experience. So I think I used to say, and I still do say it, um, the CIO role is, is one of the best seats in the house because you're working with every single function every single day. It's stressful because everybody wants something and you can't provide everything to everyone every day. But it really does prepare you to understand the holistic view of how to run an operation. So good. When you can you look back? I mean, you actually created a life plan. I mean, you documented. You had a picture of it, right? I don't know if you have it with you, but I love I love for people to hear about that. But 
What are those decision points along the way? What are those forks in the road? Because, um, you know, sometimes we, we take the wrong turn, we box ourselves in, right? So can you can you look back at that journey? I can. I do have it with me. I actually carry it with me uh, pretty much every day. And uh, to your question about the forks in the road, I, I tell my daughters, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. So <laughs> you got you to gotta weigh the pros and cons of the different options. But uh, indecision is, is not a, a good path. So you really have to understand uh, the upsides, and the downsides in any, any given situation. When I first came out of college, I had a great job at Southwestern Bell, you know, working for the telephone company was a, I mean, most people would say, hey, let's, let's put 30 years in, retire and, you know, have, have a great life and a great career. Um, I went back to school because I wanted more. I went back, got my MBA, went to Notre Dame. Um, and then after that, got, got into consulting and over like a nine or 10 year path, um, made it to made it to partner. Um, was running the global IT practice for telco, OSS, BSS, back office. Um, not not the most glamorous stuff, but very complex and very much uh, mission critical to any telco. Um, and then I decided, you know, I've been consulting for a lot of CIOs for many years. I've learned from some of the best. Maybe I could do that. So bringing the consultative approach the business approach and IT approach into the CIO role. Was fortunate, got a break uh, to, to land a CIO role at level three. And we went on an incredible acquisition spree, uh, went from 1 billion to 4 billion in about 24 months, six, seven, eight companies. That was baptism by fire for sure. Um, there were some tough days, but um, we, we did some great work and you know that company went on to do some great things. So. That was really uh, exciting, but at that point in time, I knew that I wanted to maybe move to a COO role, CEO role, and so I pursued a couple other opportunities to position myself for a CEO role, um, and then landed at Cox. And even though the title was CTO, it's a very broad, uh, very broad scope in terms of CIO, CTO, network construction, network operations, product cybersecurity. So it was really kind of a mini COO role, if you will. Um, but each step of the way, um, I wasn't running from something. I was running to something, running to a new opportunity. And I think that's uh, some of the advice that I would provide people. When you come to those forks in the road, make sure you're doing it for the right reason. Uh, make sure you like and respect the people and the company you're working with and for and make sure you have an opportunity to uh, develop your strengths and grow and uh, and contribute in a positive way. Well, part of your success story, Kevin, it's well-documented. Um, we first met when you were at Clearwire back in your Seattle days, and right away we had this, uh, uh, this connection because of our passion around developing future-ready leaders. And you've taken that to a level that I've not seen anybody. And I'm going to just be, I know a lot of people, a lot of great people, but your... Um, vision, passion, commitment to developing people um, is unmatched. So take us take us down that path because of the results there. Can you point to something? Because you're also a business leader who looks for ROI. So can you speak to that and the results you've seen? Well, th thank you for that compliment. I mean, I, I know you've worked with thousands of people, so I, I take that very seriously and I appreciate that feedback. And we did make a connection because, um, and I, I almost always say this, Almost all the technology comes down to people. So the people that create it and the people that use it. So you really have to be people-centric in this particular role. Um, and in any role in business, really, you know, I think 
being a, a former athlete, uh, you know, captain of the team, you've got strengths and weaknesses on any given team. But at the end of the day, you're there to compete and to win. And I try to use that um, that metaphor in business. And you've got a you have to build a strong team with strengths that can help you compete and win. Um, and you want to have fun along the way too. It's not all all um, seriousness, but um, building friendships, leading, coaching, consulting, helping IT professionals be more consultative, put their business hat on, put a financial hat on, understand the shoes that their business stakeholders are walking in, and talk the talk, walk the walk, and deliver uh, on their behalf. And I think to your question about results. Um, you know, I've been fortunate. I've been in the industry for quite some time, but I've been fortunate to be with teams that have done a lot of things for the first time. So at, at level three, the first physical and logical network inventory on, on a global fiber network uh, at Clearwire, the first uh, Cisco UCS server in production. I've got a, le a letter from John Chambers and Chuck Robbins on my desk thanking me for doing that. It wasn't easy. I mean, we took a, took a few uh, months to get through that. Um, at, uh, at Cox, we rolled out uh, we, leveraging CCAP, uh, Doxis uh, platform, one gigabit service uh, download speed to every household in our footprint, which came in handy during uh, the COVID days. Mm -hmm. uh, then here at Segra, we've rolled out uh, the first um, call center of its time. Um, it's a Google AI platform. It's the first instance in production. And it's not because of me or my relationships. It's because of the team and the people and developing them and having them think more broadly, partnering with the business stakeholders, partnering with our vendors, and then putting in long nights and long weekends to uh, to do things for the first time to achieve great business results. And I think, um, you know, you mentioned, is it worth it? I'll tell you one quick story, if you don't mind. Um, back at level three, we're having our, our two-year check-in. So um, they'd had seven CIOs in seven years. Mm. So I'm like, all right, if I make it to two years... Things are going pretty well. So I did the update, uh, all the stats, the facts, uh, cost, quality, the things that we put into production. And the COO, a good friend of mine, Neil Hobbs, Scottish guy, said, hey, Hardy, you've made it. I'm, I'm like, made what? He's like, you did it. I'm like, did what? He's like, you're one of us now. So uh, because, because I was showing, uh, because of the team, the investment in our team, the relationships, and the results, um, you become accepted with your business stakeholders. And so that's just one quick story of, of how pretty tough, pretty tough company, pretty tough uh, standards. But when you show business results and when you partner and when you help move the business forward, you gain credibility and that helps. Uh, and you can only do that with a strong team. So that's why I've always invested in my team and help them elevate themselves. Sometimes people say, why would you mentor people so that they can go on to, to be a CIO somewhere else? Well, in the three to five years that they're working for you, you're going to get a lot of great benefit and and down the road have a network of friends um, that can help you uh, in, in any given way. So it's definitely worth it. So sorry for a long answer, but no, uh, a lot of good results in there. That's perfect. And you know you're going to get you're going to laugh when I show you this, but I've been a um, I'm going to I'm going to call it a a uh, a Kevin Hart groupie for a while now. In February 2010. I don't know if you remember it, but I'm going to show the audience now who are on YouTube, Computer World Magazine, okay? Computer World Magazine, that was a real magazine back in the day. It was the, and that was you, I think, on the pier in Seattle. Yep, in Kirkland. And, 
It was titled, it was written by Beth Stackpole, one of the great writers, Grow Your Own CIO. So you were actually being noticed in 2010 for these efforts. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, back in the good old days there. But uh, <laughs> some people ask me like, why didn't you smile on that picture? I'm like, well, it was because like it was 20 degrees out. It just <laughs> snowed. I was freezing cold. I was like, let's hurry up and get out of here. So, uh, but the, uh, Beth wrote an, a great article and she featured some of the things that we're doing to invest in IT professionals. And obviously those were folks that worked on my team, but I think it's broader than that. It's the community at large and really trying to gain respect for the IT and the technology professionals. And I think, you know, 10, 15 years later, I think folks have earned that. You look at some of the the great leaders, the great businesses, great success stories out there. Those technical skills have helped position people to, to run and do some great things. Well, I like your focus there too, the broad set of skills, those consultative, that way of showing up different, you know, served you well, served others well. Um, we have a couple of mystery questioners. Uh -oh. Kevin, so uh -oh. you know, this is a fun part of the program. Okay. And so uh, I want to thank uh, Joseph Mullins, your incredible, incredible st in-studio producer here. Um, he's got us set up with all this great technology, but he's going to have us listen in okay. to the question. And uh, we've got two back-to-back. So let's listen to the first question and then tell us who this is and have a little fun answering the question. Okay. Hi, Kevin. So... I remember when you were brand new to Cox and you came in and you took a look at our decentralized structure and realized in order to be successful, we were going to have to become much more centralized. And you came in with a five-year vision, strategic plan to make that happen. And we all kind of stared at you like, really? But the answer is you did it. Um, and it turned out exceptionally well. So my question here is, how did you do that? How did you take a very complicated problem that wasn't just a technical problem, but it was also capturing the hearts and minds of people who were from the East Coast to the West Coast and bringing them all together to make this occur for the good of the company um, the employees, and especially the customer. Wow. That was Patricia Martin, I believe. Indeed. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, Patricia. Yeah. Patricia is a great leader at Cox, doing amazing work uh, in the technology team and now in the integration team. And so appreciate her sending that question in. And she was a big part of our success uh, while I was there. But I think to the question around... Um, Really, really building out a vision for a transformation of the company. So we were definitely decentralized, uh, definitely a lot of inefficiencies and redundancies, uh, a lot of things that uh, really could be streamlined. Fortunately, having been a consultant for almost 10 years uh, in telco, in, in IT, you know, you start to recognize different patterns and, and different opportunities. And so I was able to uh, synthesize some of my prior experience, look at the current situation, and with, with the input from the team, build a, a five-year transformation plan to really focus on being best in class. Um, and I, I remember one of the early meetings, um, people asked me, you know, how, how, how do we compare with other organizations? And I, I said, hey, I think we're a couple years behind where we need to be. And then I was later told, you can't say that. Oh, uh, we boy. don't talk that way. You know? <laughs> um, but I'm like, well, we, we've got to be realistic. 
I'm optimistic, but you got to be realistic. And so here are the things that we need to do to become best in class. And one of our mission statements was to be, become the premier product and technology team, you know, in our space. And at the point in time, it was a little bit of a, an aspiration, but over the four, five, six, seven years, um, in terms of bringing the teams together, best practices, aligning our vendors, better communication with our stakeholders, um, better visibility to things going on in the ecosystem that we could ingest into our environment, uh, we did it. And uh, the, t- the team was recognized for some amazing successes, uh, drove profitability, drove revenue growth, um, drove expansion, and did some things for the first time. Um, at, at Cox. And uh, so um, that, that's how we did it. So it wasn't easy. You had to take a couple of couple of pieces of feedback that were tough. And, and in IT and technology, not everything goes perfectly the first time through. So you're going to take your lumps along the way, but you've got to be passionate. You've got to uh, persevere. You've got to have that belief and you've got to overcome obstacles um, because that's just the nature of the game in, uh, in technology. You know, great insights. When I was talking with Patricia, I share with her my observations from uh, interactions with the podcast, with the best leaders, the panels that I do, the writings that I do. And I said, there's a real distinct set of attributes today. I call it leading with heart, H-E-A-R-T. Uh, and that's an acronym. You know, it's, it's leading with humility. It's with empathy, adaptability, resiliency, transparency. And Patricia's like, that's him. That's him. And she goes, you should call this, you should title this podcast Heart on Heart. That's funny. I'm like, oh, that's that's very clever. You should go in marketing, Patricia. But, you should, yeah. Um, but the flip side of that is while you're leading in that way, you've got to have that those nerves of steel, right? You've got to be, um, have the hard conversations. You got to deliver results, right? Too much of one and the other, or the other, you're out of balance. So does that, does that resonate as I share that with you? It does resonate. And uh, I like that acronym. I mean, Humility. I mean, you can't uh, can't celebrate. You can't get too high, and you can't get too low because uh, you can have a great success one day in technology. The next day, you can have a, a pretty bad situation. So you have to have that trend line. Stay steady. Empathy. Um, I was a DDI trainer long ago, and one of the the core principles there is listen and respond with empathy. And so I think. Some people say, well, he's kind of reserved. He doesn't talk that much. It's because I'm, I'm listening and I'm trying to understand so that we can form a better solution, a better outcome a lot of times. So adaptability, that's that's key in technology. Resiliency, you know, um, you're going to have your tough tough days, tough nights, but you got to stay the course. And then transparency, I, too many times, uh, both business and technology stakeholders, you don't see people take accountability and own it. But I think that's the best way to gain credibility is to own the situation, both good and bad. Right. If something bad happens, own it, recognize it, and then work hard to to fix it and address it. As it relates to standing up for tough decisions, um, particularly when you're in a technology field, uh, it's a little bit difficult sometimes to to push back, to go against the grain, because you have so much on your plate. You just want to hunker down and make sure you're covering your own uh, scope. But when you're talking about big decisions, big investments, big M&A opportunities, um, you know, after you've seen some things a couple of different times over the course of many, many years, Mm -hmm. you you see patterns, you see trends, you can understand the the pitfalls. And so sometimes you have to stand up and, and provide that alternative point of view. Not to be a, a naysayer, but just to say, here are some things that we're going to have to navigate if we want to go from from here to the other side. And so I think 
sometimes that comes across as, hey, th- that person doesn't seem to be on board. It's not that at all. It's let's get all the intelligence so that we can be successful. Because if you, if you know what the pitfalls are, if you've been through the lessons learned, you might as well share them ahead of the game as opposed to saying, I told you so afterwards. So, so standing up um, in, in some difficult times with some tough decisions, it can be a little unnerving. But in the long run, um, I think it's the right thing to do. And you just have to have a little bit of courage and faith in yourself that, that you have trusted uh, people around you that will take that input and not take it personal, but just take it uh, from a professional standpoint. I think that builds confidence in your people too, right? That resiliency that you talked about, because uh, I think historically we've trained people to be cynical, right? We've had the flavor of the year. We've we've we go left, we go right, but stay in the course that you that you do. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a second mystery questioner, okay. Kevin, that we're going to listen to here, and again, someone who knows you well for a long time and uh, really has a good appreciation of your. Uh, superpower. So let's listen in and uh, tell us who this is. Okay, great. Joseph, we'll we'll take your cue. Hi, Kevin. I've seen you over the years take a very broad view of a company or an organization and be able to see through the noise and narrow focus down to two or three things that are really going to matter. Those few things that if you don't get those right, the rest of it's not going to matter. Can you share a little bit about your process for how you go about thinking about that, blocking that noise and identifying those things? And then how you go about sharing that message and bringing others along the journey with you? That sound like Rose Chambers. That is indeed Rose Chambers. I just visited with her a few minutes ago. And uh, who's Rose Chambers? Rose Chambers is the CIO at Segra. And formerly, she was uh, on my team at Cox. And she joined the Segra team uh, about a year ago. It's doing a fabulous job. And uh, her stakeholders here at Segra say that she's accomplished more in the last year than they've seen in the last four or five years. So good for her. So doing a great job. But to, to her question around um, trying to cut through the noise, you know, I, I always say um, you can't always have certainty, but you need to try to strive for clarity. So clarity of purpose. So what what is your purpose in any given situation? So in the business context, it's typically uh, improving the customer experience, driving profitable revenue, driving EBITDA, driving growth, um, and ensuring that you have a great employee culture. So if you just kind of index on those key things, it's Sometimes it's not always easy, but sometimes it's easier to cut through the noise and think about what really matters in a situation. There are a lot of great ideas out there that people can populate from time to time. But if it's not helping you achieve those particular goals that matter most to your business or your team, it's probably something you can kind of deprioritize for a point of time. And then I've I've got a bias for action. So what are the goals? What are the key steps? And then how do you put those action items into motion to fast track results? Because if you don't have results, you're not going to be around uh, too terribly long. So um, I don't know if that's a superpower or not. I think it's just probably experience, but it's how do you, how do you cut through um, you know, some of the clutter to get to action items that actually lead towards a better outcome? I really like that clarity over certainty because 
nothing's certain anymore. I mean, we're, we're in a VUCA world, yeah. a lot of noise. Um, Rose says that you also have a real uncanny ability for taking people on that journey, even though there's uncertainty, um, maybe scary, right? Um, you've got this ability to tell the story to the different stakeholders so that it resonates with them. And she says, you've got this real great ability to use a simple word very strategically, and that's the word and. Can you talk about the Kevin? I'm not sure if, you even, if you're aware of it, but you're not a but person. You're a, you're, you're doing a great job and... So, right. Yeah, I, I think um, th- that's an interesting observation. I, I do think um, too many times people look at choices uh, as binary. It's one or the other. But what I try to do is step back and say, how do we take the best of both worlds? How do we solve multiple things? How do we reduce costs and drive growth? How do we invest in technology and invest in people as some examples? So how how do you do both? Um you can't afford to do everything, so you have to deprioritize. You have to be creative, but I think the the word "and" uh, it it def- it helps you from sounding like you're deflecting accountability, and it opens up new possibilities to bring in multiple different scenarios, some that you might not have even thought of. So, just the simple word word can open up conversations and get people to think differently and not be defensive, but be more creative. So that's that's one simple little placement of that word. And I, I think um, that does help. And I think as it relates to bringing people along, uh, whether it's right or wrong, um, I always want our teams to be the best, to, to be the best that they can be. And so, and to be best in class in certain fields, um, I want them to achieve greatness themselves for for themselves personally, professionally, their families. So if you can connect the dots with how can I help Dan or how can Dan help Kevin, and then how can we help each other be super successful as a team? And a lot of this comes back to the sports uh, background. And then just putting in the work. Uh, you're going to have some good days. You're going to have some bad days. you got to celebrate success. You've got to recognize. you got to build people up. you got to train. you got to mentor. Sometimes you got to swap out some teammates Uh because of some gaps in, in the lineup, if you will. And so, but bringing people along to show them their role, what's in it for them, what's in it for us, um, has been some of, the, some of the techniques that I've tried to use. I don't know if it's uh, intentional or unintentional, but it's just, um, I want to be on a winning team and I want the people that are on the team to have fun along the way. Yeah. Yeah, if, if you'll allow me, I'd love to unpack, some, maybe kind of go back and un- unpack the Kevin story, you know, your beginnings, where it all started. You've mentioned a couple times uh, the sports, competing, winning, the team. Um, it's not been a it's not been a smooth, easy journey for you. Uh, you are captain of the soccer team, right, yeah, yeah. Uh, back in Tulsa. Yeah. Uh, but maybe just shine some light on there in terms of just so we understand Kevin better. Uh, uh, maybe just the, the background, the history. Uh, so yeah. I, so uh, you know, some people assume certain things, but. Um, you know, I grew up in St. Louis. Uh, my mom and dad were teachers. My mom was a eighth grade English and drama teacher. My dad was a part-time special ed teacher. And uh, unfortunately, he he uh, had ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, and about, about my age now and, uh, you know, passed away not too long after that. And we didn't have a ton of money. Uh, in fact, my sister and I had to sell his minivan to help offset some of the funeral expenses. And so basically starting from, from scratch from that standpoint, but parents were loving um, and all I needed was an opportunity. So went to a good public school, worked hard, um, played a lot of soccer, got a scholarship 
to go to Tulsa. And I knew that was my ticket to uh, to try to help make a better life for me and my family um, was to, you know, put the work in um, and got a double E degree there and then went to work for Southwestern Bell. Um, you know, I had a scholarship undergrad and then I saved a little bit of money um, and then paid my way through uh, graduate school and then just have put in the work every single day since then. And my wife and I, she's super supportive. Her dad was a colonel in the Air Force, so she was accustomed to moving. We've moved over 20 times in our career um, and just pursuing an opportunity. So not running from things, but running to something to help fulfill, um, you know, some of the the goals that we had for our family. So it's a uh, it hasn't been easy. There's been some tough days. Uh, moving's not fun. Starting over's not fun. Um, but in the end, if you're doing it for the right reason, um, um, it, it makes good sense. And the other benefit of that is we've we've got friends all over the country, all over the world, um, and so it's been it's been a great journey. Um, and now, most importantly, I'm trying to make sure to set my daughters up for success as well. And so that's uh, that's kind of the story in a nutshell. But um, I love it. I love it. Thanks for taking the time to do that. And kind of fast forward to now. So we're at Segris headquarters here in Charlotte. Um, tell us the story of how you came to be the CEO. So I want to hear the CEO story, but I also love to have you with your CIO hat on talk about Segra. You know, why, why does it matter? It's a very important company. Yeah. So, um, as the CTO um, at Cox a couple of years ago, I was part of the due diligence team uh, and and the board of directors to help acquire Segra. So I was on, helped acquire it, did all the due diligence, and then was on the board. And the uh, the um, the CEO at the time was was scheduled to retire, and so we had an open CEO search going on, and so I was helping uh, the board and others with some referrals and candidates and. And just being honest, I had some external CEO offers too. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Cox is it's one of the greatest companies in the world. The Cox family, so generous. Uh, Alex and Jim always giving back to their employees, to their customers, to the communities. So I'm like, wait a minute. I can, I should put my name in the hat. So mm. I talked to Pat and Mark and, and Alex and others about the potential of becoming the CEO at Segra. And like, that's a great idea. I mean, you've got the experience from, uh, obviously, Cox, uh, experience from Level 3, very similar models in terms of fiber expansion. And uh, so it's been, a, it's been a good fit and uh, check the box. And we've built a great team. You've met some of our team members. And so we come from diverse backgrounds, but we're united about trying to help Segra win in the marketplace and help our customers continue to grow. So it's really been a, a great first uh, year and a half or so. And um We've got a lot of a lot of good things in motion right now. And so, um, Segra, what is the the products and services that you provide? Yeah, great, great question. So, Segra is, uh, in my opinion, the premier fiber optic telecom company in the eastern seaboard. So, we've got 1.7 million miles of fiber optics next generation network. Uh, we we serve um, some of the, some of the largest names in in the business. So, we have we serve uh, entertainment. We serve government, we turn universities, uh, carriers. So we serve, uh, you know, Timo and, and Dish are some of our big customers. So we serve the Bank of America Stadium where the Panthers play. We serve uh, the Carolina um, Hurricanes uh, in the NHL. And then we have over 100 universities, some great universities across our footprint, as well as over 900 uh, healthcare providers within our footprint. And so we provide connectivity. Um, you know, fiber, SD-WAN, we, we provide collaboration tools, hosted voice. 
We provide cybersecurity, so any kind of firewall uh, needs that you have, as well as cloud capabilities. We have uh, multiple data centers, private cloud capabilities for those that are looking to use a private cloud with best-in-class connectivity. And so we serve um, you know, multiple states along the eastern seaboard, but because we have over-the-top services, we can serve uh, folks all over the country. And I know you have a lot of great CIO friends out there. And Having been a former CIO and CTO, I know exactly what it feels like to be in that seat. And so we are ramping up our go-to-market um, sales, service delivery support to be the best friend of the CIO, some, someone that can uh, help them 24-7 achieve their goals, take care of the things that they're um, engaging us to take care of so they can focus on other revenue and growth opportunities. So it's been uh, it's a fabulous uh, company to have the backing of Cox um, and to have a great team. Our employee NPS from last year to this year is up 68%. Our mm. customer NPS is up 53%. Um, our, we hit our sales budget. We hit our EBITDA budget. And uh, and now we're off to a good start this year. And so we've, we've got a couple of different partnerships, th- opportunities we're looking at across our footprint. And and it's all about growth and taking care of our customers every day. So it's a, it's a great opportunity. And we've got a great team. And the teams are working super, super hard to be successful. What a great story you're writing here. I mean, this is going to be a lot of fun to watch. And uh, the journey, I'm sure the folks at Cox are really happy, you know, because uh, you're part of that family yeah, still. It's yeah. complimentary and uh, we can help them. They can help us uh, and we can expand uh, not not only our, our network and services and connectivity, but also the great um, you know, values from the Cox family in, in new markets, giving back to communities, uh, you know, bridging the digital divide with broadband, providing cancer research funding, uh, just just a lot of great things to give back to the communities that we serve in. So that's that's also a a, a real strong uh, point about the the Cox family, just always doing the right thing. Yeah, it's been part of your DNA too. And you know, people who know me, you know this. Uh, I'm a big uh, student of the uh, expressions that are used by the best leaders. Uh, you know, we'll call them the Kevinisms today. Then. When I was with Rose, I'm like, Rose, what, uh, what's, what's your, uh, what's a Kevinism that you can relate to and without hesitating? I mean, it just came out. She goes, uh, hear me now, believe me later. Do you, can you hear yourself saying that? I can. I can hear her saying that too about <laughs> me, but, uh, but I'm, I'm sure I didn't come up with that. Probably got that off some kind of late night comedy skit or something. I don't know. But, uh, but I, you know, as I was mentioning earlier, as, as a CIO, where you can see basically every function in the company, and then as a consultant working with 50 different companies, and then being in the industry for 20, 30 years, you see a lot of patterns, you see a lot of things that go well, and a lot of things that are predictable surprises, I like to call them. Um, you just know how it's going to turn out. Um, and so, as I was mentioning before, you know, you do your best to influence, to inform, to provide guidance, to provide solutions. But sometimes not everybody's quite there and they have a different vision, different idea. And so occasionally after after giving it my best uh, college effort to kind of persuade, um, you know, you, you might go down a path, a different path and obviously got to get on board. But then I'll typically say, you know, hear me now, believe me later, meaning, um, you know, there's a lot of, I've been through 2G, 3G, 4G, 5G, a lot, lot of conversations going from 4G to 5G. Some of the challenges, uh, network density, 
handset devices? Is it a residential uh, service? Is it more of a B2B service? You know, a lot of the same things that, that I've seen over the years um, have panned out to be true. There's been multiple articles in the Wall Street Journal about that. Um, things like large-scale IT implementations. Yes, it might be best-in-class best uh, SaaS solution, but you still need processes, product catalog, change management, integration, testing, all the blocking and tackling. So those are some of the examples of things where it sounds easy on the surface, uh, but you really have to understand what you're really trying to achieve uh, from a business standpoint and, and what the uh, concerns are. So occasionally I'll use that that term when, when I'm like, eh, I'm not quite sure that was the right choice. And then a year or two goes down um, and then there's some ahas about, well, yeah, we should have thought about the complexities of product catalog as an example. So Right, right. Another one of yours, and it probably goes back to your sports days, uh, it goes something like this, refuse to lose, choose to win. That's true. That's, um, it's, it's funny. One, one of the core values here, that, um, that one of the principles at Segra is uh, uh, choose to win because our, our name uh, Segra is a Swedish verb that means to win, to achieve victory, to overcome. And so when I heard that, I'm like, well, that's fantastic because my one of my mottos is refuse, uh, you know, refuse to lose, choose to win. And that comes back to the college soccer days, um, our, our junior year. We, we set a record um, for the most losses in school history, so not <laughs> something to be proud of. And not only that, worse than that, I was the, the MVP of the team with the most losses. I'm like, that's horrible. I mean, <laughs> what does that say about me? So I'm like, all right, we're not, we're not going to accept that. We're going to turn this thing around and we're going we're gonna to put this into a winning program. So two a day, staying over, over you know, recruiting, um, just putting the work in, build, getting better players around us um, to, to basically say, we're not going to allow us to, to lose um, if we can help it. We're going to do everything possible to try to win. And that's the same mentality to have within technology, within business. I mean, there are some things going against you, but how do you navigate your way? How do you build a team that can overcome to achieve victory? And so uh, that, that's a, that comes from that particular um, situation. That team went on to set uh, a record of, I think I've told you this before, but 39 home consecutive wins in Division One men's soccer. That still stands today, like some 30 years later. It's amazing. Um, but it was more of a, a mindset and a mentality um, and then doing all the right things to build a team that can that stand up and deliver. So pretty cool. That's powerful. Yeah. To, to, to make that, you know, I've heard that theme a couple of times. I mean, it's, it may be messy, got to do the work, right? Got to do the hard stuff yep. and stay the course, right? It's easy to get distracted and, and uh, uh, like you say, there's so much coming at us. So that focus. So when we get together, um, I don't think we've ever talked where you haven't brought up your three daughters, um, probably your pride and joy. And so I know they're doing great. Uh, if I were to ask them today, what advice has dad given you? What would they say? You know, what would their Kevinisms, their dadisms be? That's a good, good question. Funny question. Um, what, if I could just inject one little piece in, in front of that. And I, my, my first job, I was 22 years old, Southwestern Bell, and I worked with a, a lot of uh, men and women, 40s and 50s, and they taught me a lot of things. We probably have to do a separate podcast for some of the things they taught me. But one thing that they did uh, uh, leave an impression on me was many of them said they wish they would have spent more time with their children when their children were younger. Mm. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. I mean, so, and I heard that multiple times. So I'm like, 
okay, I'm not going to be the person that says that later on. I'm going to try to work as hard as I can, be as successful as I can, but I'm going to put my family first. And so um, I've really tried to be at every every game, every event um, uh, possible and, and be there when they need me. Uh, so that's a, that's a high priority for myself and my wife. But one thing that they would say to your question is that, um, and it, it started out as a little bit of a joke, uh, but then it became like a real expression. And it's success lies at the intersection of preparation and opportunity. So I didn't come up with that phrase, but they think I did. So we'll go with that. Absolutely. And it's and, and the, the the moral of the story is you have to prepare for life's opportunities. You have to go to school. You have to train. You have to. You know, whatever your profession is, put in the work. And you're not going to know, there, there is no certainty in this world, but there will be times when opportunities come your way. And w- if you're prepared for that opportunity, guess what? Not every intersection is going to be successful. So if you have a setback, learn from that. What went wrong? What could you do better? The next time that opportunity comes along, you're going to crush it. And so... That that would be probably the the one that they would go with. Um, they didn't really appreciate it years ago. They're now starting to appreciate what that means because you know life is full of challenges. It's not easy, but if you put in the work, if you're if you persevere, if you're passionate, if you treat people well, do the right thing, give back to others, you're gonna you're gonna find that intersection and have uh, some good success along the way. Well, congratulations to you and to them and. Uh, Again, it's, our kids are our guests, right? You know, my, mine are in that place now. They're older than yours. And, you know, they, 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 they come back and they say, Dad, I sound like you now. And, and, and they mean it as a good thing. I'm like, okay. Yeah, you, good. you didn't that like it when you were saying. When you were 16, I didn't, you didn't think so, but it's, uh, it's good stuff. Well, yeah, I'm, sure, I'm sure you're an amazing father. And uh, you've done a great job uh, raising your family. And I think more importantly, you've done a great job for the CIO community broadly. I mean, you've dedicated your career to this. Um, thousands and thousands of IT professionals look to you for advice. So appreciate everything you've done Thank for you. our community. And it's, it's made it a better place. You know, we had no idea back in the 80s just how good this was going to be, right? I mean, we, we, we coined the term developing the human side of technology yep. in 1984 before we knew there were humans in technology, exactly, right? Yeah. So, and then that's what, you know, you and I really connected on was that whole human dimension. And uh, this next part of the program, I think you'll really appreciate it. It's the, uh, the scholarship that we do for every every episode. So we've committed $150,000 in scholarships to our TechLX leadership program. So right down your alley, right? Developing awesome. future leaders. And today we want to give you the ability to gift a seat in that program to one of the nonprofits that you're that you're in, you're involved in that you you support. Uh, I know it's hard for you to do, but anybody come to mind that you'd like to gift that to? They do. Thank you for this opportunity and I, I know this is a it's a big opportunity for somebody to kind of build their skill set. Right and be a part right. of your program. I actually, um, I do have a a little slide here of an organization I met with here recently that I wanted to to grant this to. It's it's the the Center for Digital Equity. Uh, it's in partnership with Queens University here in Charlotte, and their goal is to make Mecklenburg County the most digitally equitable community in America. So, building out broadband connectivity, building technical skills. Um, you know, enabling kids who can't afford a laptop, um, laptop access. And so I think they've got a lot of up and coming IT leaders. Um, I, ju- I just met with them there recently and we're doing some work with them. So I, I would like to take your generous offer to, uh, to, to provide them the this, this seat in the program. 
I love it. I've not heard of them before, but that's exactly the kind of organization we like to, to work with. And um, Charlotte's got it going on from a technology perspective. I mean, there's a lot of good things going on here. They do. Uh, Dan Lugo is the president at Queens, and then Bruce Clark is the, the gentleman running this program. Um, you know, building out fiber all across uh, the community, uh, upgrading the infrastructure, really trying to make um, this a, a high-tech environment. And obviously, with the banking community, uh, with Segra, with others here, we've got uh, all the assets to do that. So, Yeah. Well, again, thank you to Joseph Mullins for this incredible studio that he's provided for us and orchestrating this. Thanks to you for taking the time to share your story, unpack your story. We're going to spend more time in next week, look at co.com for an article. So you all know this. Uh, look for the article with Kevin next week. We're going to unpack more of his leadership playbook. We're going to really dig in on this whole idea of the CIO university and how he has been uh, the impetus for 50 CIOs and counting. I'm sure this, that's we're not going to stop there, but 50 CIOs who are out in the wild now uh, as a result of this program. And so, Kevin, again, can't thank you enough. Uh, gift from us, from the team, uh, your Tech Whispers Yeti. Uh, awesome. So thank you. Uh, use that with pride and, right. and uh, want to keep you hydrated. Absolutely. Uh, but good luck to you. This, um, this story is going to just keep getting better, Kevin. Great. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate the opportunity and Appreciate the, the Tech Whispers uh, podcast. It's a, it's a great uh, forum, so thank you. Awesome. We'll see you all next time. Thanks so much. You've been listening to Tech Whispers, inside the playbook of the best digital leaders, a Woolet and Associates podcast. Keep connected with us by subscribing to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you like what you've heard, please rate the show as this helps us connect the world's best digital leaders with those who aspire to learn, grow, and thrive in this amazing profession. Thanks for listening. Until next time.